Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, while the uh, baskets are going around, we're going to go ahead and get into our sermon series. Uh, We are beginning our Christmas, December Christmas message series, where every year we like to focus around the birth of Jesus and what that means for us as a church. And every year we we take a a specific message series that allows us to be able to really kind of dig into that and what it means for us. And so this year is no different. We're beginning a brand new message series called Journey to Jesus, uh, which we're asking the question, why do people come to Christ? Like, what is the reason that that people come to Jesus. You know, people all over the world are searching for answers and looking for meaning and purpose in lives, and somehow they find Jesus all over the country, all over the world that happens. Well, this Christmas season, we turn our attention to the birth of Christ, and then what we're going to do is we're going to explore this month the stories of some of the individuals in the Scripture that come to find Christ and the road that they took to get there, the journey that they took to find Jesus and what led them to him. And each one of those roads, each one of those journeys, I believe reflects a journey or a road that we actually still walk today. Each one of us will remind us why we need Christ in our lives. And so some of the characters we're going to explore in their journeys this month are the wise men and their curiosity, their searching, their discovery, the shepherds and how they were told to find Jesus and why they came and what they looked for, the crowd in Mark chapter 3 who came because of they heard about Jesus and the needs that were available to him, that the, that the he would meet needs. In our final week, December 23rd, we talked about a Christmas service. We're going to be talking about how Jesus is the destination for the journey. It's going to be a great month. I encourage you to bring friends with you, to bring coworkers with you, somebody who needs to hear, maybe people who are searching for meaning, searching for answers. And as Heather mentioned, we have uh, at the Connection Center, we have a, uh, a flyer for you to take. So take them as many as you'd like and hand them out to people and invite people to come with you. Well, this week, We are going to begin uh, with the wise men, which is a very familiar story. Uh, I hope that this week, as we talk about it, that it'll be familiar, but also that you'll get something new out of it. I've been preparing all week, and I'm excited for what I believe God has to say to us today. Uh, The wise men's story is a story of curiosity. It's one of searching for truth and for answers and for discovery. The journey of the wise men took months and months to complete as they were looking for Jesus. And it actually turned into a story that has inspired tradition over centuries now of this concept of searching. In fact, Advent comes from this very concept. The idea of Advent is waiting on the Lord and searching for a Savior and waiting and and listening and, and anticipation of it. And a lot of that is inspired by the story of the wise men. It is a story that I believe reflects our own desire for understanding and for truth. And it also reflects our willingness to go to great lengths in our search for meaning and purpose in life. I want to start by reading this very familiar story of the wise men, but I believe that today God is going to speak to our hearts and challenge us uh, in something that's going to lead us into many years to come. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. If you have your Bibles, open them up, or a smartphone or a tablet with the Bible app, go ahead and open to the Gospel of Matthew. It's actually the first book in the New Testament, and we're going to be reading in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. It'll also be on the screen here for you. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and they say that because there was actually two Bethlehems, didn't know if you knew that, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, 
saying, Hey, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. We're going to pause here for a second, okay, do a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, these men, the wise men, in this scripture passage, if you were to just pause right there, it doesn't give you a lot of detail. So you have to either make assumptions or guess, or you could do some study. And so I chose to do a little bit of study. And here's what we found, that these wise men were uh, most likely astrologers. Their job was they were hired by or they were employed in the, the house of the king, either as astrologers or priests or the same thing, okay? So their job was to look in the sky and to 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 see see the patterns that would exhibit in the constellations that would move across the patterns of the sky, and then they would use those to tell the future or to, to say these are the things that are going to be happening. We see this in modern-day horoscopes. It's the concept of, of people who say, I'm a Pisces, or I'm a, I'm a Taurus, or an Aquarius, or whatever, or every day in the newspaper, or there used to be anyway, um, you know, horoscopes that would tell you what's going to happen this week based on the stars. This is the concept that we would see there. Now, this was based in their religion, and it's so interesting because we actually see see this in scripture throughout the Old Testament. Like today, the president of the United States or in other countries that has their cabinet, right, which is the leaders that oversee, even in our church, right, we have staff leaders who handle various departments and things. But in the old days, in ancient culture, the king didn't just have an advisor of somebody who would run their government, you know, for them. They actually had dream uh, keepers. They actually had people who would, whose job it was to read the signs of the stars who would interpret prophecy. These were actually jobs that people had, and that's what these guys were. They were astrologers. They were, they were wise men employed by the king in their area, most likely um, in areas of Mesopotamia, areas like um, uh, which we would consider today as modern Iraq or Saudi Arabia or Iran. That's where they were from. So when it says they're from the east, that's where they came from. And their job was to interpret the signs in the sky and then make, um, make assumptions or make predictions based on them. Well, the Bible says that they saw a star in the sky over in the western part of where they were from. Now, this star is obviously, uh, in traditional terms, is a star that was in the sky that was hovering above the manger scene. And there's a lot of controversy around this because some people would say, what is that? There's no way that, that some star just randomly appeared. So here are, here are two different versions or potentials of what it could be. Number one is it could be just a miracle. If you think about it this way, maybe the Bible and what it says is what it actually is. Perhaps God, the creator of the universe, if he did create the stars and the planets and the sky and the, and the earth and all the things that we see and around us, right, then it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could just create a star for a moment for this very reason. So one option is that it could be just what the Bible says it is, which is a star appeared. Another option is potentially that there's actually a scientific explanation for it. How would that be? Perhaps it was a comet that was in the sky for that period of time. And actually, the famous astrologer, his name is Kepler, wrote that Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars appeared in the Pisces constellation during the time that Jesus was born. So possibly, potentially, these wise men in their exhibiting of the, in reading of the patterns in the sky, saw this interesting astral phenomenon and attributed it as a significant moment. And why this is important for them is because what happens is, is that in this time and era, people believed that, that interesting astral phenomenon, like maybe how Mars appears occasionally, you can see Venus or something that's not there every day would signal 
a moment on earth. Something significant would take place on earth. In fact, they actually believed that the birth of extraordinary Savior-like people would be foretold by a star like this. So for them, their job, first of all, was to note those things. Then their job was to explore them and to search for the meaning of it. It would make sense then that if they would see this astral phenomenon in the sky, would then travel to where that was hovering over and seek out a new king in that area because that's what it meant to them. So they show up right there and find looking for a king. And they ask King Herod, who is also now going to be searching for Jesus, but they're searching for two very different reasons. Matthew chapter 2, let's continue reading in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Why? I never actually paid attention really too much to this last part. I understood why Herod was upset, why he was disturbed. He was disturbed because now that means that there could potentially be a usurper, a new king who could take his throne. Right? So all he wanted to do was keep his power. But why does it say that all of Jerusalem with him? Well, King Herod was known for being a tyrant. He was violent. So it's potentially possible that his own city, hearing the rumors, right? Hey, there's this, these individuals who came in, these men from another country. We know who they are. They're astrologers. They're wise men. They're here because of that weird star formation. What's going on? They would have known. And there were whispers happening around the city. It's possible that they would know, oh, my, this, this cannot be good. This cannot be good for our city. Herod is going to go on a tirade again. He's gonna, you see what I'm saying? Like, this is potential for them is that they're now afraid. So he assembled, verse 4, so Herod assembled all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, because this is what was written by the prophet. And this is what we're about to read is found in Micah chapter 5 in the Old Testament. It says, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He's talking about the Messiah. So then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time that the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. For when you find him, report back to me lies so that I can too go and worship him. So they're like, all right, that's fine. After hearing this, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. You know, Herod was deeply disturbed by this news and starts his own search, which ultimately leads to the murder of every child, every male child under the age of two. He went to that length. His only concern was to protect his own reality at all costs. So what we see in this passage is two different kinds of searching. If the story of the wise men is a story of curiosity and of searching, we see two different searches taking place in this passage of Scripture. The first is the wise men's search, and theirs was an open-ended one. An open-ended search that was with an open heart and an open mind. They didn't know what they were going to find. They just saw the signs and went searching for answers. But then King Herod, on the other side, had a very different search. His was a predetermined search, one with a closed heart and a closed mind. It didn't matter what he found. He had an answer in mind at the very end of it. And no matter what he found, wasn't going to change the way he felt about it. And so what is the difference between the wise men and King Herod? 
I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but here's what I would say. The difference in our search is that motive matters most. If you're taking notes, write this down. In our search for answers, in our search for truth, motive matters most. You know, there is a big difference between searching based on a hypothesis and one's based on bias. If any of you have any experience in scientific methods or scientific experiments, you'll be familiar with this concept of a hypothesis. It's the idea of going into an experiment with an idea of something that could be true and then going into an experiment and doing various tests to determine whether something is or isn't, but not without a bias, the, or, but not with a bias. But when you go into an experiment with a bias in mind, you will now read into your experiment, and the results will be flawed because you're going to be going into it with an answer that you already think is going to happen. And what we see in this story is the same thing, is that, is that one group of individuals saw some things that they were interested with, had a hypothesis that there would be one born in this city, in this area, and that that person would be important, and so they went searching to find answers, and the evidence led them to Jesus. On the flip side of this, what we see is King Herod who heard and saw the same, the same uh, patterns but had such a bias that he went searching just to prove his own reality and so he was not willing to see anything else. Now here's the thing, is that for us, we do the same thing when we're searching. Oftentimes, whether it's uh, searching for answers or searching for faith, many people struggle with their faith in Christ or with whether Jesus is true or not or whether or not religion is true or not and those types of things because they end up going into it not with a hypothesis and taking it wherever the evidence will take them, but instead going in with a bias that I'm sure that I'm not going to find what I'm looking for. And this is the difference that we see in this passage of Scripture, is that it's one thing to go in with an idea and allow what you find to shape you. It's another thing to search for answers already with a predetermined outcome in your mind. And that's what we see in this passage of Scripture. In the journey to Jesus, our, matter, our motive matters most. Whether or not we come to him with a pure heart of wanting to see him truly, or whether or not we think we know what we're going to find and all of our evidence is going to stack against it no matter what. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, God talks about how we should search after him if we want to find him. And it says this, he promises, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, with all your heart. This speaks to the motivation of our heart. It's talking about when we want to find God and our heart's cry is to know why we are here. Who is God? How can we possibly know him? Is Jesus who he says he is? But if we go into it, according to this passage of Scripture, if we go into our search thinking that we're going to find it or that it's just a farce or that it's not true, then it doesn't matter what God does. We'll always find a way to explain it away. Motive matters most. But God promises that if we seek him with the right motive, with our heart, that we will find him. Let me ask this question. This is the question that most people ask, and I've asked myself this. But why not just prove himself? Why doesn't God just say, just show up? Like, why doesn't he just like, make himself a projection or, or come to us and then prove that he is who he says he is? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? I have people ask me that all the time. Well, the difference is because this, this is what I believe, is there's a difference between process and knowledge. You know, there are plenty of examples of people seeing things with their own eyes and not believing. Or being told and not believing, or being given evidence and still not believing. 
right? We have, there's lots of examples of that. Juries do it all the time. We see it everywhere. So it's not just as simple to say, well, here's some evidence, right? It's not possible. But the process, the process of searching and finding clues shapes us and transforms us and leads us to experiences with God and leaves us with the knowledge that we could never acquire or integrate it if we were just told. I want to read that again. The process of searching and finding clues shapes us and transforms us and leads us to experiences with God and with knowledge that we could never acquire or integrate if we were just shown. And this is what I mean. It's like hide and seek. When I'm a child, when I'm a kid, or, or when you have kids, or maybe you have uh, nieces or nephews, and, and, you, and you play a game of hide and seek with your kids, oftentimes we get frustrated as adults when we, when we think about God, and we're like, God, how come I'm always chasing you? How come I, I can't find something concrete, right? But you don't hear kids say that when they play hide and seek with their mom or their dad or with their uncles or their aunts, right? When you're playing hide and seek, it's fun. It's an adventure. And the process of hide and seek, when you find them in those moments, solidifies the relationship. You learn things about your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle, that they love you, that they're teaching you something, that you're enjoying a game with them. This is what it's like in faith. It's not about God running from us, but God is more involved in the process. He's more interested in us becoming who he is, who he wants us to be. He's more interested in the process of us searching for him because it teaches us about ourselves and we understand things about ourselves that we thought were important but really aren't. Right As we search for him, it begins to show our motives and it begins to say, am I approaching this with the right way or with the right heart or the wrong reasons? And, and when I did these things, when I tried my best and I discovered something about God that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise, and for years I searched and searched with the wrong approach or the, or the wrong mindset or the wrong motive, but then when I flipped it up, I learned something. That's part of the process that changes our way that we understand who God is. And God promises that if we search with all of our heart, that we will find him. But if we go into that search with a, with a heart of just of, of frustration or a heart of prove it to me, that's like a kid saying, Dad, just tell me where you're at and I'll come. That's not hide and seek. That's not what the game is like. And there's, we won't learn who he truly is as we seek after him and find him. God doesn't just want servants where he would say, I am here. Bow down to me. Do it now. That's what would happen if he just revealed himself. Because God is worthy of praise and he is worthy of worship. And if he just said, here I am, well, now the only response is to bow down and worship to him. But that's not what he wants. He doesn't just want servants. He wants, he wants children. He wants a relationship. And the process of searching and finding and surprises and disappointments and learning patterns and hiding places reveals the parent's character, and God's character, and it reinforces that relationship. He wants to play with us. He wants to reveal himself in surprising ways, to show himself as kind and loving and so much more in the process of searching for him when we can't see him. Learning to search after him and to not think that he's gone just because we can't find him today is the process of how we know that he is good because when he shows up, you'll be like, I was here all along. You just weren't looking in the right place. 
or however that might be. I mean, I understand that the, the analogy of hide and seek isn't perfect, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's more of a search and a, and a finding than it is just, just God trying to prove himself. And I, and I believe that God knows. I believe that he's there and he says, I hear you, son. I hear you, daughter, that you want to know if I'm there. You want to know if, if I'm real and, and I can do the things that you need me to do. And, and I, I can prove them to you and I could just show up, but I promise you, you wouldn't love me the way that you should or the way that I want you to. We wouldn't have the relationship if I just gave you everything. It's a process of coming and finding and searching and discovering. He wants to reward those who earnestly seek him. And he promises that he will be found by those who seek him, but how we seek him matters. And so the big idea today is this. If you're writing notes, write this down. Faith in Christ is not an answer to a single question, but rather a lifelong relationship of seeking and finding. This is the part, I think, that this is critical, I think. If we come to church on a Sunday morning, or if we read a book, or we open our Bible, and we're only looking for one answer. Are you real? Are you there? Then I think we're missing what is really meant to be the life of faith. A journey of faith is a continual moving along. So once I come to a realization that I believe, you know what? Jesus is the one he says he is. It doesn't stop there. Because now I begin walking in a relationship with him every day. And my relationship with Christ now becomes a a relationship of of seeking after him in every moment of my life and finding answers and then saying, wow, that answer now opens up a lot more questions and seeking after more answers. And that's the pattern that we see throughout Scripture is the relationship of coming after God and taking time to search the Scriptures for our answers, to spend time in relationship with each other and asking those questions. how How does God show up in my life right now when I just lost my job? How does, what does it mean to, to find him and to know him and to integrate Jesus into my life when I have cancer? What is it like when, I'm, when I can't pay my bills or when my marriage is falling apart? What does it mean that right now, you know, we had a terrorist attack and I don't know what it means to even live in my country anymore. Or when I'm being attacked, I was a, a, a told something at work that isn't true about me or whatever it might be. What does it mean to know that God is real? Is he there? How do, I, how do I do that? How do we find that? That is what it means to ask these questions in our life groups and at church on Sunday mornings. And that's the process of as we walk in those and we don't get an immediate answer. Because if we were given an immediate answer in the moment, then we're just like, children who go, mine, I want, give now. And when we do, they just do it again. But the process of seeking after God and saying, God, where are you? And walking and trusting and believing and trying to apply the values of scripture that we see when he says, just trust me. I promise I'm there. I will provide for you. I am faithful. And as we do that, and day after day goes by, month after month goes by, and we continue to hold on to God's promises, and then one day something changes. It teaches us something. That process the Bible talks about it as like a refining, right? The refining of gold in a fire. That's what the process of relationship with God is like. Is that he always proves himself to be faithful, just not in the moment that we want it all the time. That's the hide and seek, right? Looking at the patterns. Oh, I know where my dad is. He always hides over here, right? How many kids do that? And they love it when they show up and they go, boo! And they find their dad or their mom in the closet where he always hides. That's part of the relationship with God, too, is knowing where to find him. 
and the pattern that he exhibits in our lives. And we begin to see those types of things. And then one day he's not there in the same space. We don't experience him in the same way. And what does that do? It teaches us to not be complacent in our relationship. And so we begin searching in other ways and other, other patterns to find our father, to seek, seek him out. But he promises that he will always be there. And there are days, you know, like when you're doing hide and seek with your, with your mom or your dad, and like you can't find them for a while, and then you, all of a sudden you hear, hey, I'm over here. Right? And it's like in a distance, that's God, the Holy Spirit whispering, come find me. I'm over here. And you begin to look, and you're listening. And this is all the process of hide and seek as a kid, but it's no different in our faith. It's learning and seeking after God. And, and then when we find him or clues about him, and we begin to learn about his character and who he is in us. Faith in Christ is not an answer to one single question, but rather a lifelong relationship of seeking and finding. I want to close with Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus' words now, telling us how to find him and encouraging us in the search, affirming the wise men's story and the tradition of searching for him. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10, he said, He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. He's talking about at midnight. This is late at night. Then he will answer from inside the house and say, don't bother me. It's midnight, dude. What are you doing calling me, right? The door is already locked and my kids have gone to bed. I can't give up to give you anything. This is like a friend calls you in the middle of the night and says, hey, like I need help. I got a, an unexpected guest. Can I get borrow your milk? Like that's kind of the idea, right? And Jesus says, I tell you that even though he won't get up because he's a friend, <laughs> I love that. It says, yet, because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So, no, he wasn't kind out of the kindness of his heart. He's like, well, you woke me up. I love you, so I'll do it. No, he's like, no, but because he called in the middle of the night, knowing that he was going to wake up, because of his boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So, verse 9, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, the story of the wise men is one of honest searching. It reflects how many of us find Jesus and decide one day to follow him. It's a journey, right? It's the seeking. It's the asking questions. It's the constant willingness to continue to search for something that in our heart cannot be quenched anywhere else. That's why we're here. That's why we search for answers. Because no matter all the science, no matter all of the experiences that we have in great relationships, there's still something inside of us that goes, I, there's just got to be more, right? That's the search. And so Jesus is affirming that. Ask. Seek. Keep knocking on the door. It reflects some of us, maybe in the room today, who are still on the journey toward him, wondering what they're going to find. And Jesus says, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Even if you don't know if I'm real, I'm welcoming that. I invite you to that. Come, continue asking these questions. And it reflects some of us who have found him already and are playing hide and seek with him every day and are asking questions, and we're searching for answers and learning about him and who we are to him every day, learning more, growing closer to him. You know, the verb in that passage of Scripture that we just read a moment ago when it says, so I tell you ask, I tell you seek, I tell you knock. I'm not even sure what the grammatical term for it is, but it, it, it's not just ask one time. It's actually a continuous thing. It's like, so Jesus is saying, so keep 
asking. Ask and continue to ask. You know, seek, continue to seek, right? Keep seeking, right? And then knock, keep knocking. That's the shameful, the, the boldness, right, that it talked about. So the, the illustration here is that this guy comes knocking on the door, knock, knock. You sleep through it, right? That's probably what would happen. If your phone rings in the middle of the night, it buzzes a couple times, you forget about it. You don't even think about it because you're just asleep. Buzz, 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 continually. Buzz, buzz, buzz. We're in these days knocking on the doors, ringing a bell over and over and over again, continually knocking, continually knocking. So in our case, what is Jesus saying to us? Keep searching. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. That boldness, that searching, don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep searching. Would you stand with me? Close your eyes as we close our service this morning. The story of the wise men reflects that principle, the honest search. The honest search, the one that says, I don't know what I'm going to find, but I'm going to continue searching. I'm going to continue asking. It's okay to have an hypothesis. It's okay to have an idea. I think that I'm going to find you. I think that if I read the Bible, that I will learn about God. That's fine to have a hypothesis. And if you come to a conclusion where things are different, they shift your your understanding of something, that's fine. But when we oftentimes go into our searches or asking questions with an answer in mind where it doesn't matter what we find, we're not going to change, this is what happens to us. Not just whether God exists, but happens all the time on a Sunday morning when we preach about topics that are uncomfortable for us. So many times we already have a preconceived opinion about something, and when God's Word contradicts it, we don't want to take it for its face value and allow it to inform our values. And that's what the, the, the passage here that we read today about the wise men is about. Let's search. Let's ask. Let's continue to ask questions, but let's allow God's Word. Let's allow our, our patterns and our habits, you know, as we experience God's presence, as He speaks to us, let's allow Him to shape us and to take us to a new place rather than get stuck in a rut and spin our wheels out because we're only looking at God's Word as a static thing, as something that where I'm looking at it from what I think it says rather than what it might actually say. And so this Christmas season, Father, we we look to you now. And we say we want to be like the wise men. We have ideas about what we might find. We go searching for you. We're going to look at the passages of Scripture about things that you have said to us, about the story of your birth, about all sorts of passages that we see in the Bible and Old Testament. We're going to ask questions about, you know, in our friends and our relationships in in our life group and our other relationships and, and honestly seek after you to get an understanding of you. And for some in the room today who maybe struggle with this idea, maybe at their bed at night, maybe more nights than others, they actually are like, I wonder if this is even real. Am I making it up in my head? I pray that right now, God, that you would speak to them, that you would reach them, that God, you would bring uh, circumstances into their into their lives and into their hearts, that they would see movie clips, God, that there would be passages in books, that is a newspaper, on signs on the street, that God, that there would be ways that you would reveal 
reveal yourself to them that would begin to chip away at those spaces of where they can't get past those moments of, of wondering if it's something is true or real or empirical. And there is nothing wrong with empirical evidence. It's wonderful. I thank you for science. But God, I pray that today for all of us, that we would begin to experience something greater than that. That the heart that is pulling us towards you, that you would reveal that to us. And even if it's just one step closer this month, one step closer that we would have some satisfaction in the search, in the hide and seek game, God. That you would reveal yourself. That we would hear your whisper in another room calling us to keep searching in the other room. God, we come after you. We're searching for you. And we believe in faith. We say that. I believe in faith that you will reveal yourself. We declare Jeremiah to be true in our lives. That when we seek you with our whole heart, that we will find you. We declare that. And so this month, let this be a month of searching, a month of seeking, honest searching and honest seeking. And I pray that by December 31st, God, that we would have even greater experiences with you, that there would be moments that are undeniable that would carry us through 2019. Let us learn from the wise men and their search. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.